Ladies and gentlemen, give me four hyperbolic formations with 90-degree offsets. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barton. This is Mad About. Mervies. 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. It's showtime. Mad About Movies is your go-to show for all things cinema. Every week we talk movie news, rumors, and rumblings, and we also break down a chosen movie of the week. But don't worry, if you haven't seen that movie, we will warn you before we go into spoilers. And please stay tuned to the end for weekly recommends in which we suggest something that you need to check out as soon as possible. And remember, you can find all our episodes at badaboutmoviespodcast.com. And remember also to leave a review on iTunes. This week's movie of the week is what, Brian? The big screen adaptation of Ender's Game. They know our strategies. They've learned our weaknesses. And the alien attack nearly destroyed us. That must never be allowed to happen again. Now, Brian, Richard, have you guys, did you guys read the book, Ender's Game? I don't yes. know. Mm-hmm. You did. Okay. Yeah, I've read it a couple of three times. What a nerd. <laughs> three times? <laughs> three times? Probably. Right. Something like that. I read it in school. Oh, and then okay. I, yeah. read it, I read it recently, um, maybe two or three years ago. I probably read it another time in there somewhere. It's not like The Hobbit that I've read, you know. I think on our Hobbit podcast, I, I think I said I'd probably read it at least a dozen times. So yeah. it's not it's not to that level. And but, you gotta uh, read you got to read it again before The Hobbit yeah. 2. Yeah, this, probably. This, you this know. December, so. That's, right. That's how I am uh, with a Final Four, a March Madness Mystery by John Feinstein. <laughs> nice. I've read that stuff. <laughs> a modern classic. Oh gosh. So. Uh, I, I prefer the literary stylings of Mike Lupica. Yeah, yes. You just stole the joke right out from under me. That's okay. <laughs> so it's good that we're coming from both perspectives tonight. I haven't read the book. You guys have. We'll break it down on both perspectives and uh, lots to talk about with Ender's Game. We've been looking forward to this one for a while, and it'll be good. So look forward to that. But first, let's break down some movie news. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let the filibustering begin. Uh, Guys, since you know, and since our listeners know, that this is the official podcast of Star Wars. Right. There's always Star Wars news to go over. Because George Lucas texts me every Tuesday just to fill me in on what's been going on so we can discuss it. This is big news. And I'm surprised it's not getting more publicity than it has. But apparently the screenwriter Michael Arndt is out. Yeah. They've scrapped the script. And J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan will be writing episode 7. So pretty uh, big, big deal, I would say. I mean, this is probably going to affect the movie more than any casting decision that they make or anything like that. Um, but it really makes me wonder what happened here and what Arndt's script was like, what they liked about it, if they liked anything about it at all. And I really don't know the situation. Brian, have you heard anything about, about this? No, I hadn't seen anything. They've been pretty, I mean, secretive is not the right word, but... I haven't seen any, like, you know, there was a feud or they were angry at him or anything like that. Um, it doesn't surprise me because I think J.J. Abrams 
if not wants to be in control, kind of wants his his guys, and I don't know that Michael Arndt was one of his guys, so that's that's maybe part of it. And also, Lawrence Kasdan is an outstanding screenwriter and yeah. understands the Star Wars universe. So I saw like the initial blurb was Michael Arndt's out, and I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks because I thought he was going to be really good at this. Like this could be bad. And then oh, he's being replaced by Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back and has been involved with the Star Wars universe forever and. Um, so yeah. that was, okay, I, I feel good about that. I'm not, not is, upset about that at all. Is Empire Strikes Back the one with Jar Jar Binks? Shut up. No. <laughs> no, it's not. But guys, I, I want to run this idea by you. Before episode seven, we do need to do a Star Wars retrospective. We need to do every Star Wars an episode on all those and, and get our actual thoughts out before that. That'll be good. Like even, even the recent ones? Oh yeah. There's more to talk about with the recent ones than the old ones, I would say. Okay. More entertaining things to talk about. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, need what, a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah what are say. we gonna do with talk just talk about the old ones? Just it'll yeah. be just fanboy talk the entire time, you know? Right. We gotta, and we Richard gotta get... talking crap to us because he's not a big fan. So but he'll have, I mean I'm a Rick, fan. Not like us. I mean No, not like and, you. I mean and I and I mean that not as an insult. Like yeah. you're probably better off. Um Yeah. But uh, I, I think Richard will have to drink significantly throughout the the, the prequels. That'll be awesome. I would we'll actually have, yeah. like to see them because I don't know if I, I don't think I ever saw the second one, the Clone the Wars one. one. Oh, yeah, I disagree. I think Phantom Menace is the Phantom yeah, Menace the has one. at least twenty minutes of of maybe if you add in the pod race thing, you could say thirty. Wow, to you weren't talking minutes. about the pod race thing when you said twenty the, minutes. That's the dude, only the, sequence I can stand no, in the whole film. No, Duel of the Fates at the end is good. Like that's really good stuff. With the the battle between Darth Maul and the and the Jedi's and all that, that stuff, is like pretty, that's pretty that's easy. a really good scene and it's great score and all that sort of stuff. So th- that's there's at least thirty minutes of good stuff in Phantom Menace. I don't think there's five minutes of good stuff <laughs> in uh, in Attack of the Clones. That one's terrible. That, it gets worse like every time you watch it. Like I probably it's not like I sit down and watch it every day, but I've probably watched it three or four times and it's like. Okay, this is all right, and then it's like, no, this is terrible. No, this is one of the worst movies. I mean, I, I act, I really, that's a bad movie, just genuinely bad movie. You're right, it is. It is pretty bad. This concludes They're our Star, Star Wars retrospective. <laughs> yeah. No, but look forward to that. We got it. We got to make yeah, that happen. I can't wait. I know. Sarcasm ensues, just like every week on this on this show. But man, it's big. It's big news. the 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 main thing is, I've heard Disney has been. Or J.J. Abrams has been trying to push this back, uh, but Disney has set firm, and they're saying, no, no, we are releasing this movie in summer 2015 if it's the last thing we do. And J.J. has really, now that they don't have a script, uh, really going to try to rush to get this thing out. And that's the last thing I want, really. Yeah, I totally agree. I did see something, because I heard the same thing of of Disney saying it has to be done summer 2015, but I did see, and I wish I'd marked it, I saw a tweet saying that they they basically relented and said, okay, uh, uh, Christmas of 2015, they'll go for that. Yeah, because as long as it's in their fiscal year, what is it? It's not like Star Wars needs, it's like, well, I would go see the Star Wars movie, that, you know, but uh, it's not really summer blockbuster season, so right. they could release yeah, exactly. this thing in February, and it would yeah. it would make. A it actually dollars. makes more sense for them to go Christmas with it and do Avengers two in summer, you totally. know, and 
yeah. go the Marvel route in the summer and just yeah. like, hit a well, and huge that's, in the I mean, that summer, we've talked about before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again. It's just, it's so packed with movies. Like, it makes sense for even the biggest of movies, which Star Wars is, is absolutely the biggest of movies. Like, for them to move out of that just because why do you want to compete against all this other stuff? Not that Christmas is a slow time of year, but usually not, like, that kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's the last, I feel like the last time we had a movie, like, an epic fan go see it multiple times sort of movie in christmas was probably avatar so and yeah, and yeah. does that really com- i mean compare i don't know sure but i mean obviously it's better but yeah <laughs> i was right. i'm currently a senior in film school right now and and today i i got the chance to meet somebody a guest uh speaker came and talked the head of fox legal uh gary roberts who's a is an alumni of of my school and he's been at Fox Legal for 20 years, and he was, you know, talking about legal aspects of how they get sued for movies. He mainly talked about Borat. They got sued like 80 times for Borat, <laughs> and they're getting they gotten sued a ton for Avatar because every everybody thinks that they thought of Avatar, right? Uh, which they pretty much did. I mean, Cameron ripped that movie from 50 different sources. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. very it's, obvious. It's every Native American. He all he did was story ever told. all he did right. was. Mix Pocahontas and Fern Gully, and there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the album covers of the band Yes. <laughs> so, and so he was he was talking about the Avatar sequels, and he he gave us an exclusive here that I can break on the Mad About Movies podcast, and this is no joke. Exclusive news for Avatar Two. Avatar Two will take place entirely on Pandora. There is no Earth whatsoever in it, which I think sucks. And there, are, he also said that they're in a huge battle with Sam Worthington right now because oh Sam Worthington wants more money. And so they're having this huge debate at Fox right now think, thinking to themselves can we just make this movie without Sam Worthington since he's an avatar the yes. entire time anyway. And, yes, you can. Which I, I think you totally can. And But the yeah. argument that he raised was well, technically isn't that Sam Worthington's likeness that you're using since it is his face. And so they're in this big debate right now, and the movie's coming out in 2016, and we've had this talk on this podcast before. Is anyone going to give a crap seven years after Avatar about Avatar 2? And, and I think they're in for a big surprise. The answer's going to be – I mean it'll be, it'll be number one. It'll make money, right. but I just don't think it'll be the big success the first one was. No. And you know they've got these greenlit for like four sequels through 2020, yeah. so it's just awful. I, I, I'm not looking forward to them at all. I, it's that movie Avatar's has not pulled up kind at all. of become a well it's kind of become a punchline over the last yeah. few years and and I don't know that that's necessarily fair but it's certainly not uh there's certainly not a buzz about it that there was what when is it, it about, that first one came out what is it about Cameron that like he's really good at making these movies that are pretty critically heralded and make you know more money than number one and two movies of all time and then have no staying power culturally whatsoever <laughs> yeah. Like, does sure. anyone say that like Titanic's are the best movies of all time? No one says that, right? Yeah. No, I. I mean, dumb girls, but yeah, I don't know. No, I. I agree with you. Like, I think True Lies, <laughs> True Lies probably has more uh, street cred than yeah. Avatar or Titanic. Judgment Day. Judgment Day is his. <laughs> did his he do that? Culture. Yeah, Terminator do... Two. You're right. Okay. You're right. You're right. My bad. I was thinking for some reason. I always get. Those confused on which who did which one of the the Terminator and Terminator two. He did number one. Who did T two? Was that him too? James Cameron did 
did yeah, number I think two. he did them both. It's the okay. aliens. He just did number two. Oh, that's right. That's right. Al- My bad. Yeah. Yeah. He did aliens and and Judgment Day. Yeah. He sure. didn't do. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's Ridley definitely Scott's I mean, at Alien. Yeah. Of yeah. course. And David Fincher. is definitely the movie that he should be. You know. He did. He, he did Terminator one and two. Right. James right. Cameron did Terminator one. Yeah. Yeah. I literally had I no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mind blowing. He wrote it. Yeah, I think he wrote it. Yeah, he wrote them both. That's that's what he should come back to. He should come and do Terminator Five or Six after Justin Lin does Five. Justin Lin's not doing Five. Yeah, uh, I heard. Yeah, he backed out or something. Somebody else yeah. is doing it. Super depressing. That's fine. No, that's fine. We we want him at Fast and Furious. He's we not doing. Back. Hopefully, he nope. does Fast Eight. He'll, oh, he's he's totally doing eight. Come on, <laughs> he's doing eight and nine. He just want to take a little break. It's fine. It's fine. He was yeah. really upset about Han dying. <laughs> well guys i know we're all fans of of the workaholics series on comedy yeah. central good news on that front workaholics is coming to the screen <laughs> yeah. but, but not work not it's not a workaholics movie but it is starring all three workaholics guys together and it's going to be written by durs and nice. produced and put together by seth rogan and evan goldberg <laughs> And so how awesome is that? It's going to be absolutely awesome. Those guys together just yeah. make me super happy. Probably the funniest comedy team out there right now. Yeah. Uh, you see Adam is on uh, Modern Family right now, and it's just gold. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. I saw he's, that. He's um, Gory and Jay's nanny. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Have you seen his new show, like House Party or something? It is awful. Yeah. Don't watch it. I won't. It is very bad. It is not not <laughs> up to his standards at all. So, yeah, that's going to be funny. They say they want to kind of be like um, Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau uh-huh. and do a bunch of stuff together but in different <laughs> movies, you know? Yeah, I like that. It's I think that could be idea. awesome. Those could, those guys are going to be, you know, around for a while, I think, for sure. They're, they're kind of the spokespeople for our generation, the new comedians. I mean – the Rogans are in the, uh, you know, the Michael Sarahs of the world. They're getting old. They are. The Jonah Hills. <laughs> they're, they're, gradu- they're graduating they're, to, to Scorsese, you know. <laughs> imagine imagine workaholics doing – it is. When you're targeting 16-year-olds, I mean yes. imagine the workaholics guys doing Scorsese movies in, in five years. We, we would have thought that would never have happened when we saw Superbad, you know. It's crazy. Oh. I watched Crazy. Superbad again last week. It's just the most perfect thing. Yeah, we're going to do also, <laughs> guys. We should do a Superbad episode. We're doing a MacGruber and Superbad for our Christmas bonus. <laughs> oh, okay. Stocking stuffer episode. So, guys, wake up on Christmas morning, and you'll have two fresh new Mad About Movies throwback episodes for you. Yeah. That'll be good stuff. So, so that's good news. And also, Adam Devine is in movie news. I heard he's being eyed for a Jim Belushi biopic. No joke. I saw him, but I also saw Emil Hirsch. Really? Yeah, I saw that as well. Ooh. Yes. I don't think... Emil Hirsch hasn't done anything decent since Into the Wild that I know of. This is true. Uh, it is bad, like... Bad, bad, man, bad career choices. I know, a talented guy too. Really Super talented. And he was in, what's it called? Uh, the... Movie with all the like, ghosts, uh, the like horror movie that came out last year. It wasn't The Happening. It was called like uh, I don't know. There, it was like some 3D horror movie. 
I don't I don't even know the name. You're gonna have to tweet me tweet me the name. Brian, oh, look it up. I know. It's uh, Emil Hirsch has signed on. He has for the he has signed the... on, and it's written by the guy that wrote Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Also, oh, okay. it's it's the John Belushi biopic. John, the that's Jim what I mean. Uh, did I you mean. say Jim Belushi? <laughs> yeah, Jim Belushi. Yeah, he just uh, he makes according to Jim, and that's it. There's like 40, 45 minutes on according he, to Jim. He goes to according to Jim, and that and goes home, and that's pretty much the movie. <laughs> there's a whole there's a whole whole segment on how he got attacked by a dog on the, the set of Canine. <laughs> That's going to be awesome. Uh, is there anyone worse than Jim Belushi? You know, I've like a colossal jerk, too. Yeah. There's a bunch of stories you can find online about Jim Belushi just being a total, you know, mean person. And, like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> Why? Yeah, exactly. But I don't know if you guys are – we're into this at all. I got one more thing to mention for, for movie news before we, before we talk Ender's Game. You guys are – into Ender's Game, that was a book of your childhood. Well, a book of my childhood is making its way to the big screen. Finally, been waiting years, decades even for this, Captain Underpants oh, is wow. making its way to the big nice. screen. And uh, the Stars win in a shootout against the Bruins, on a side note. Good, nice. good stuff. <laughs> so, man, Captain Underpants was hilarious when I was growing up. I'm sure if you're a kid of the 90s like, like we were, you know, every book fair – I would pick up the latest latest Captain Underpants. I don't know if it's going to be live action. Yeah, book fairs, man. Definitely the worst kind. As someone that comes to loves to read, I still say book fair worst type of fair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Greatness ever. Best way to uh, go to, skip class in elementary. Go to the book fair. <laughs> this is the scholastic sets it up in the library. You know, overpriced. You yeah. know, page turners. Greatness. So. Yeah, Captain Underpants is coming. I don't know the details, really, if it's going to be animated or anything. I think it's going to be sort of the same vein as Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, which is a pretty decent little yeah. little series of movies. If you've seen either of them, they're pretty well done, pretty funny, entertaining little family films. So we'll have, we'll have to look forward to that. And, um, guys, when are we going to do our Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2 podcast? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Yeah. One of these days. <laughs> just <laughs> one number four like the comes out. One. Yeah, yeah. Bill Hader's great in them. Yeah, and yeah. They're they're like I said, they're funny little little movies. Yeah, they're better, new. better. Uh, uh, Bill Hader vehicle, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatball or T-Mobile commercials. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know meatballs. I mean, how do you choose? I mean, yeah, how, just, do you, how do you how do you choose? Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you. Do you own a small business or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter 
for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com slash mad. That's blueapron.com slash mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Uh, so guys, all right, enough movie news. Let's get on with it. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk Ender's Game. If we're going to survive, we need a new kind of soldier. One who doesn't think the way we think. Fear the things we fear. One the enemy would never expect. We need minds like yours, Ender. You'll be the finest commander we've ever trained. So I'm not the first? No. But you will be the last. So I'll let, I'll let you guys... I'll let you guys go first on this one. Uh, Richard Varden. Oh, wow, me first. Wow. Yeah, hey, I know, you Bri- first. I I know Brian and I have been hogging these... These... Um, yeah. movie reviews for the past for our, few for weeks. For our listeners that don't know, we had a pretty substantial contract dispute this week with I uh, did. Richard, we Richard get paid Tom. we get paid by the word. Yeah. So I was I've been uh, actually owing money to the podcast lately. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard, I'm going to get let you get the first word on this one. Sure. H- here you go. Um, okay. Tell us what you tell us what you yeah. thought about Ender's game. First impressions. First impressions. Uh there are worse ways to spend a couple hours, just an exceedingly mediocre movie. Like just a, I, 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 it followed the book fine to me. Um, visually was kind of, I didn't really care for like the aesthetics of it, which ruined a lot of it. Um, and just like some of the, it was weird things like the size of some of the actors and just the overall look of like the technology in the movie just kind of seemed odd to me so that kind of took me out of it the script was actually pretty good when you sit and think about it um pretty well done could have used a little less of harrison ford screaming seemed like he screamed uh through the whole movie uh but uh yeah like i don't really understand releasing this now though i feel like this would be an awesome like april movie yeah. Uh, to kind of get summer going because it obviously has no awards appeal, but it's also not like a full summer blockbuster. I, I would have done this given this like a March or April release, kind of like that um, yeah. Alice in Wonderland movie yes. uh, that was the worst ever. Um, no, the, no, you're talking about the Wizard of Oz one. Yeah, and sorry, Alice Wizard of Oz. One. I do that yeah. every time. Well, both of them. It doesn't – it's both the of same them. thing. Like, you're, yeah. yeah, this is like a much better version of that type of thing yeah. uh, to me. And so, like, it's certainly – it's going to make money and it should make its money back and then some. It's cool they finally made this into a, a movie. Um, Ender was fine. I didn't find him to be great or bad. Um, 
I, you know, I, I'd love to have more of an opinion on this. It's just you guys can say. I mean, it's, it's a hard movie to really have an opinion on. It's it's a very competent movie. That's the best thing I can say about it. Yeah. Brian Gill. Yeah, I think that's pretty accurate. It's I it, I said in my review, it's a solid film. Like that's that's. I mean, there's really there's no moments of greatness. Um, perhaps surprisingly, there's really not anything that is cringeworthy, which when you have this many kids, um, in a cast, you can kind of expect you're going to get some really bad moments. And I, I didn't, I mean, personally, I didn't feel like there were any, um, uh, performance wise was good. I think Asa Butterfield as Ender was a little, a little bit too wooden at times. I would have, I, I would have liked a little more depth to that character, but uh, that's really not on him so much as director and whatnot. And Brian, to that point, I agree with you, but the more you give him to do, the more risk you have of like the cringeworthy kid actor. That's true. You you know what I mean? So like, it's, I I totally agree with you. He was super wooden, but then at the same time watching him like, well, that's, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, the basketball player that can't really dribble. So let's just set him up for jump shots or something. I mean, he, he, you know, he kind of just did what he could do, and, and yeah. that was it. Made the movie tolerable. Yeah, I can agree with that. I watched Hugo um, the day before I went and saw this, I guess, just to kind of yeah get a glimpse back into that kid. And I think, I mean, I think he's really good in Hugo. So I I feel like he probably could have done a little bit more, but yeah, you're probably right. Um, but I've never but, seen Hugo. So. But that's I mean, anyway, that's that's what they were going for was like a very stoic, and I think that's partly to do with. Um, trying to take what is potentially a very unlikable character in the book because he is so uh, brutal and prone to violence and whatnot. And so I think that was kind of part of the strategy is to try to make him more of a likable or at least not an unlikable character. You know what I mean? So that was fine. Uh, I actually thought Harrison Ford was, was really good. You're, you're right. Richard is a little bit too much, of the yelling, which I could have done. Like, can we just like, same with like the Goldbergs on TV. Can you guys just take it down? Like one <laughs> yeah. notch? That would be, right. that would be perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I thought it was good. I, I didn't mind the visuals. I kind of, honestly, I kind of expected this to be an ugly movie. Um, it just, it just had that look from the trailer of, I, and so I wasn't really blown away by any of the visuals, but I, I also wasn't um, displeased by them either. Um, you know, it's a fine movie. It's it's an admirable attempt to adapt a movie that is, or excuse me, a book that is uh, that is probably unfilmable. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly better than like earlier this year we had The Great Gatsby, which took a great American novel and just completely butchered it and missed yeah. the point and didn't understand what it was doing at all. Whereas <laughs> this, there was no way. I had a I had talked with a friend of mine who who loves this book as well. And Wait, is he, Gatsby not a celebration of decadence? <laughs> right, exactly. I thought it was, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it, it spawned of... some uh, some great proms this year. So <laughs> that's that's awesome. Um, but no, I, I had talked with a friend who who was a little upset with the treatment of the novel, and I just said, look, if you've ever read the book. There's so many tone, there's themes and ideas conveyed in the book that A, you really can't convey in the movie, and B, if you did, this would be an R-rated, really very dark, serious movie, and then you don't have an audience. So when you consider that that wasn't ever going to be a possibility, I, I, think it's a, I think it's a solid effort to try to bring a book to – bring a book to life in a positive way. You know what I mean? It didn't – it certainly didn't – it didn't make me think worse of – 
the book kind of like how Great Gatsby did. Like, I, I kind of want nothing to do with Great Gatsby anymore, despite the fact that that novel is great. Um, it, I just have such a bad taste in my mouth coming out of Great Gatsby, and I, and I don't at all with, with uh, Ender's Game. Nice. Good stuff. Well, it's, it's, it's hard for me to say, I can't say, actually, that this movie is bad, because it's not. Uh, it's, it's well made. It's, it's, it's pretty to look at. The acting is pretty good. But as for somebody who has never read the book, I found myself very confused <laughs> by a lot, a lot of it. I, I just didn't understand a lot of the motives of the characters, the motive of the goals of the mission that they were on a lot of the times. Uh, a lot of the times I felt overwhelmed with uh, lingo, space lingo, especially uh, in the action sequences. Like they were just sure. screaming space words at each other <laughs> that, you know, and I and the one I wrote down that I – that I said in the intro was give me four hyperbolic formations with 90 degree offsets. Like nobody knows what that means. Sure. Uh, so yeah, there, and that's, that's a very small, small complaint. Uh, I would say for this, I disagree with the Butterfield's Harrison Ford, uh, assessment. I think Harrison Ford was pretty bad in this. He was mm. very wooden to me, uh, very monotone ish. The complete opposite of a charismatic Han Solo character, which was what he was going for, I understand. Uh, he was going for the, the general look. But, I mean, I just felt him – I found him quite boring. I thought Asa Butterfield was was good. Um, is as good as a child actor as you're going to get. But I, I, it was weird. It's like he aged like a year in the middle of the movie. Like, <laughs> yeah, like that's between, true. <laughs> between the time he was training and the time that he was – Actually, in the battle station sequence, he was his voice was like way deeper, and I mean, I guess that's what happens when it takes half a year to make a movie, and you got a kid and prepubescent kid you're, you've cast. But uh, overall, there is, like I said, the production design was was fine. I think that 3D would have benefited this movie a lot had it been been in 3D. Like it seems like they shot it and meant for it to be in 3D, but they just never. Never did, which is shocking that they didn't try to try to pull a 3D audience with with this movie. It seems like such an easy market for yeah. to take your 13 year old to go see this in 3D. You know, um, I like I enjoyed most of the characters. Like the kids around him were good. Like the bully kid was was really good. I thought uh, for the most part, Haley Steinfeld. I wish I sh wish she, we had gotten more from her. Yeah, so I was maybe she had had a bigger role because she is a good actress. And um, let's see what else. I like the, the the sequence with Dap, like the security guard and Ender, like mm -hmm. right when Ender gets to the school and they, and they're doing the whole give me drop and give me twenty little back and forth. I thought that was probably the funniest moment of the movie, uh, character wise. Um, there's there's some other stuff that I that I can talk about, uh, but. What did you guys like most of all, Brian? What what was your favorite favorite part of Ender's Game? Um, I mean, gosh, I don't know. That this is the this is the hard part because I don't like I said, kind of said in my initial thoughts. I I there's nothing about this movie that really stands out to me. I and that's 
it's not a bad thing or a good thing, I guess. Like, uh, I, I did enjoy the interactions between Harrison Ford and Asa Butterfield. I, I can, I can totally see where you're coming from. Kent. I actually, I really, I thought Harrison Ford was pretty good. And I thought that they had, um, they had a pretty good rapport in, in what they were going for with the movie. I honestly, I feel like the movie's best moments. I mean, obviously the action is, is, Kind of cool. The, the best stuff. moments are between Ford and Butterfield. Yeah, that, that yeah, is it, true. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed the. I, I, I hesitate to call it chemistry because that's kind of that's a little bit weird. But um, I enjoyed the interactions between those two char- uh, actors and characters, and I felt like that was maybe the only part of the movie that tr- that really succeeded in um, giving off some of the impressions from the book on film. Like, I, I feel like they took this book and just streamlined it to the most accessible level, which I totally, I like, I agree with. That's, like, what you would have to do to make this this movie work. Um, but you really lose some of the sociopolitical commentary, well, all of the sociopolitical commentary that the book has to offer. And the, the relationship between, uh, between Ender and Colonel Graff I think it was really the only part where you you kind of got a feel for what a weird <laughs> world this is, you know, that we're sending eight year olds to fight our wars for us, yeah. and yeah, and uh, and the kind of like I I, I enjoyed kind of watching Harrison, and it's only in limited moments, but I watch I and I thought Ford did a really good job of conveying the weight of his decisions um, in very very short moments. You, you really didn't get a lot of it, but. I, I thought he was good at that. So I enjoyed their, their time on screen together. And I, I do wish that there had been a little bit more of it. Um, I don't know how you could necessarily do that, but those were the best parts of the, yeah. of the film. Yeah. I, I, the film got really good. I mean, it, it got most entertaining when, you, you know, they, he meets up with, with Ben Kingsley mm-hmm. and you know, the whole, I guess, uh, last third of the movie probably is, is way better than the first first half as far sure. as pacing and everything and action and keeping me into it. Uh, I really didn't – I mean I understood it. It felt very kiddish at the beginning with like the QZAR training uh, missions and all that. Yeah. I mean it, probably yeah. in the book it's probably a lot better. But it just felt – I didn't understand the goal of the, of the training really. Uh, sure. Um, it just felt like they were playing around – like playing QZAR or laser tag or something. There was no like risk involved totally. at all, and but what was most confusing about about the motives of the characters and you, y'all can probably fill me in on this. I haven't read the book, and I'm sure it's it's discussed in the book. If if Harrison Ford and Ben Kingsley and Viola Davis and and whoever, if they know what to do and they know what to look for um, in these kids, why don't they just do it themselves? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a, like why doesn't Harrison Ford just command yeah. the, the ship if he knows if he's basically telling Ender what not to do and what to do? Like he's, he's they're using the kids as like a puppet almost. Like why don't they just blow them up themselves if they know how to defeat them? Do you know what I'm saying? They, like 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 Richard, said, I I was interested about this kid because obviously having seen the book, I see it from a diff- I see the movie from a different perspective than. Yeah. Than uh, than you do, so I I was interested to see if people 
who hadn't read the book could understand really what was going on or not even understand, but like have an appreciation for it. Yeah. In the book, it's, it's a much more well thought out. There's, there's a lot more better reasoning for why it has to be this way. And really what it is, is that Ender is a, he's basically a strategic savant. Um, he's a, it's almost to the point of like Rain Man, but with a little bit better social skills. Does that make sense? Like this is yeah. what he is basically his entire brain thinks strategically and that's all he does. And so that's why he's the the ideal choice for for the you know, the command of the of the army and everything is because he like you're totally right. In the movie they're telling him what to do for the majority of it. So why don't you just do it yourselves? In the book it's a it's an instinct that he has that other people do not, basically. So I thought, I mean, obviously, I guess Orson Scott Card is a great, great author, but yeah. could, can, couldn't he think of a better name than Battle School and, like, The Battle Room, you know? Like, he's Harrison Ford's like, welcome to Battle School. <laughs> now you have entered The Battle Room. Like, come on, man. That's, it was written in the 80s. Yeah, yeah, I guess. That's what I'm saying. It's just... Uh, I found that kind of cheesy. Uh, so, my, my one of my main questions about the the Ender's game, the actual game, the video game tablet that he's playing on and, and stuff, I was wondering. I was like, what kind of game exists with no boundaries? Like, he, I mean, other than like Grand Theft Auto, which has boundaries. I mean, there are only certain things you can do in that. Um, but I'm glad they did explain it well in the movie. Like Viola Davis says that the stories in the games reflect the emotional reality of the person playing the game, which right. made sense to me. And I'm glad they included that because had they not, I mean, I was just, I just didn't understand how that was a barometer for who they were going to pick. If there's no, if it wasn't built, if it's just an open world, you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. I just didn't understand the um, the allure of the games, the the test games that they were that they were playing. Um, what else? What else should we should we talk? I liked. I really liked the the third act. I thought it was pretty strong. Yes. Sure. Um, especially you know the I guess the graduation simulation is what they called it. Yeah. Um, the reveal there and spoilers coming up now for Ender's Game. The reveal. I was super bummed. I was super bummed out during the third act and they're like, because I knew that that was the last battle sequence we were going to get. And I was like, are you kidding me? They're going to give us a battle sequence at the end of this movie of a simulation. I was like, <laughs> you gotta be effing kidding me with this. Yeah. But they, um, the reveal by Harrison Ford to, to Ender that it was real the whole time. Greatness. And I can see like, if you're reading the novel, when you get to that part, you're like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. But explain to me the ending where um, Ender goes back to the planet, I guess, and me. bless you, Thank goes you. back to the planet and doing coke over here. Rescues <laughs> me too. It's hard. it's hard to get through these. Yeah. Gets goes to the back to the planet to like rescue the bug species or or something. Yeah. Like why did he? Why did he rescue the people that are eventually going to destroy us? You know, like I don't. Like, explain that to me, Brian or or Richard. It, it seemed very anticlimactic at the end. Like the in, like like the reveal with Harrison Ford and the argument between right. him and Ender, great, awesome. 
And then it just took a nosedive at the end where he goes and rescues the, the felt very Starship Troopers ending to me. Uh, yeah. Cheesy <laughs> kind of. This yeah. movie is very much like Starship Troopers. I don't know if yeah, you realize I that. I totally agree. It really, yeah. really is. Uh, but so, not enough Casper Van Dien. Right? Yeah, that's that's true. That Which is, I, have, I have that problem with most movies. <laughs> not enough Neil Patrick Harris for me. <laughs> yeah, gosh, the lost years for NPH. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I think the the main concept there is you saw that quote at the very beginning of the movie, which is pretty much directly from the book of, you know, to really understand your enemy, you have to come to basically have to learn to, to have empathy and love your enemy. It's and I think that's, support. yeah, that's the point from that. Basically what he's going on to do is try to find a, a suitable world to like restart that, uh, race on uh-huh. or that society or whatever, because through the, savagery of the world that he lives in. And I think that's the point where the, the, the movie really missed. Like there's just, it wasn't dark enough to like really reflect, um, the themes of the book. That would be my major complaint. But, but anyway, the, the, the savagery of the world that he just came from, I think basically what he's trying, the, the point he's trying to make is that led him to the decisions that he made. And now he's got to try to atone for that in some way or another. I think that's where he, where the movie was going anyway. Yeah, how awesome was was Ben Kingsley with the face tattoos? <laughs> Pretty sweet. I had totally forgotten he was in this movie until yeah. like he showed up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Ben Kingsley is in this movie. Awesome." And then but, it turned out it was weird that he was just an actor playing that character. In the movie. <laughs> that was crazy reveal. Weird twist. His name was Trevor Slattery too. It was crazy. It's weird. Um, so yeah, it was. I wonder if he knows that that will be like an esteemed. He's an incredible actor, Academy Award nominated. Like, just winning, a, yeah, winning. Just an awesome guy. Played, played freaking Gandhi, and <laughs> for the next thirty years, people will only remember him as Trevor from Iron Man Three. Really underrated role of his. Did you ever see Searching for Bobby Fischer? Yes, it's been Bruce, a very long time. Bruce Gandolfini. He plays the the chess teacher. That's a excellent movie. Yeah, it really is. A and movie. I'm. I'm going to recommend that. Uh, not my week recommend, but man. I mean, I think it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Really, like anything on Bobby Fischer is gold. Documentaries, YouTube clips, yeah. films. Yeah, that's an incredible, very Him well done movie. Him screaming at Jeremy Shaft. Joe Montana <laughs> is amazing in that movie, too. Yeah. Randomly awesome. That's a great, great film. But anyway, that's our Bobby Fischer podcast. <laughs> See, we... Your father was a snake! <laughs> So what? One of my questions going out or leaving this is: Had this movie not had Ben Kingsley, Harrison Ford, Viola Davis, Haley Steinfeld, Asa Butterfield, who are all Academy Award caliber performers, would we like? Would you like this movie? Like, if these were just no-name people giving these same performances, would you feel the same way? And I feel like that's why we, when we see the trailer, we were we made sarcastic remarks uh, um, last. Um, spring when, when the trailer debuted that like man how many more Academy Award winners are they going to get for this well I think you kind of had to had to do that to give it some credibility you know uh, hmm. it's just I, I don't know like I haven't read the book and um, so that's the perspective I'm coming from but if y'all say it's a great adaptation then then I totally I totally it's not a great believe. adaptation it's just it's a, about as good one. as you're going to do with that book totally yeah, yeah. In, in Hollywood with that much money on the line yeah it's just you, 
you know, it was right. perfectly acceptable. The way the way to do this book, if you, I mean, if you really wanted to say, okay, we're gonna, if you want to set out to make an Ender's Game adaptation and do it faithfully, really, what you'd have to do is you'd have to get the BBC or HBO mm-hmm. to or do Netflix. a six part, yeah, or Netflix do like a, a four or six part uh, series. And just say, look, we're gonna spend the money to 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 pay for the the FX the shots shots and things like that, but uh, we're gonna be like supremely faithful to to the book and well, go. There's a all lot out. of books too, aren't there? Three or four books. Yeah, yeah, and I I've never read any of the rest of them. I don't know. I've I've heard that they're not nearly as as strong as this one, but you could stretch that book. And it's not that long of a book. It's only like 200 pages long, but you could. Uh, but there's so many like uh, there's so much that you would have to add in like exposition and things like that, you know, cause there's so much that's just, um, in, in Ender's brain and things like that. So I, I, I don't, you would have to, if you really wanted to go out, you'd have to say, we're going to do four episodes, four hours basically on Netflix, HBO, BBC with a good budget. And we're just going to go as dark and as serious as the, as the source material allows us to go and not worry about audience. Obviously that's not something that's going to happen, but that's, to give you a, an idea, Kent, that's pretty much how you'd have to do this to get a great adaptation. Like it just wasn't gonna, oh. it, it wasn't gonna happen. And so I, I think this is a very, I think this was as good as you're gonna get for, for that, for the material. You know what I mean? Like it, sure. it, it works. It's not faithful, really, in a lot of ways, and it, it misses the mark. But I don't think there was any way they could hit the mark. Yeah, I agree with. With Richard's initial thoughts, it's just an exceedingly mediocre movie. Like it's not one that I wouldn't wa- watch again, but it's not one that I'm gonna do- go pay money to see in a theater again. Like it's it's totally. it's, it's a there's definitely worse ways to to spend a, a couple hours, um, yeah. especially this year with the movies some of the movies we've done. But the the audience that I saw this with exceedingly elder, elderly. Like yeah. every person but me in the theater was like over fifty, which huh. I thought was kind of weird. I thought, I mean, maybe I guess this is a book of the eighties. Maybe it's mm-hmm. it was more popular yeah. back then. It, more it of was a pop culture it, thing. It was, and it and it's a. I mean, I'm surprised that you guys didn't read it in school. I think we did when like tenth grade, maybe something like that. I mean, it's it's one of those yeah. that um, it has the appeal to the sci-fi nerds, and it also. You know, it's the rare book that appeals to a large audience outside of just sci-fi, um, and so I think it was a big deal when it when it came out. Sure. Um, so that that doesn't surprise me. My my audience was very similar. Kent, we we had a lot of of uh, of older older people weird. in our theater. So the movie only made twenty eight million dollars last weekend. Yeah. It was number one, but to put it in perspective, it made less than After Earth. Made. Yeah. Wow. 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 Which is crazy to think, to think about. I mean, half of After Earth, or more wow. than, more after. than, more than After yeah. Earth is all Will Smith being attached. I mean, not because yeah. people actually wanted to see that movie, but yeah, I don't know if it's going to justify. I doubt it's going to justify a sequel. I mean, it's had to have been at least a hundred million dollar, hundred million dollar movie. Some, yeah, it was a hundred and ten. No, and yeah, I don't, I don't it's think made, it's done well enough to spawn. It's made thirty eight. Yeah. yeah, it'll make its money back, um, yeah. and it's it's currently fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, just barely. But it, yeah, you're right. It's not going to spawn a, a franchise. I don't, I don't think. 
And that's fine with me. Which is that, fine. It's yeah. totally fine. And maybe yeah. we'll look back in, in five years and be like, you know what? Ender's Game was actually awesome. You know? Like, maybe it's just one that we'll, we'll look back on and, and think it was, it was better than we initially thought. You know? Maybe, maybe I'll have to watch it again and maybe I'll understand the lingo next time. Which yeah, I probably just, will. This is just a movie that they had to make because of the book, because it's sci-fi, because it's outer space. You obviously have to make that to a film. Right? right? And they had to do it at some point in the next, you know, in the last 20 or 30 years, this has to be made. Right. And they made it and it was fine. Like it could have yeah. been much worse. So like, yeah, you know, that's it. Oh, know, totally can, agree. You can, it can always be worse. Yeah. <laughs> it could, it uh, could always actually that's be a good point. After. Yeah. Could, could have been after it. Yeah. True. Um, <laughs> at least Shyamalan didn't direct it. <laughs> right. Uh, and who is Gavin Hood? What other stuff has he done? Wolverine. The uh, not the not oh, this Origins. year's Wolverine, oh, yeah, yeah, Origins yeah. Wolverine. Okay, there you go. So I, I, I before the movie started, they they they're throwing trailers at us. Uh, a new trailer for Monuments Men. I saw actually it looks decent. It looks way better than the last trailer I saw. They've updated it for with the new release date and everything. Uh, yeah, we're gonna have to give that one time. But that one looked exciting. But the other trailers that I wanted to. I wanted to end on this. Um, this movie with Aaron Eckhart, I Frankenstein. Oh my gosh. Did you guys oh see this my... trailer? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen it multiple times. I just don't understand. It's like, me at the movies. Like yeah. every movie I go to, I'm seeing this preview. I just don't understand like studios thinking that people want to see this. No. Like, like it's a movie that when you see the trailer and the, the effects – and the CGI, you're like, holy crap, that must have taken forever to animate. Like, there's, it's just throwing CGI at you. And why, why go to all that trouble on a subject matter like, it's not even Frankenstein. It's not even like a take on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It's like a futuristic, like, yeah. robot Frankenstein, Aaron Eckhart. And this movie, 47 Ronin with Keanu Reeves as well. Yeah. Saw the trailer for for it. It just looks looks horrible too. I don't see a market here at all. And it was just like I, I said, I was in the movie with with adults, and when both those trailers ended, it's just audible groaning in the in the audience. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to be making fun of these those two. I have a feeling come come January, but I just don't see why if you're going to spend money on on a on a movie, why it has to be that style of movie, like the underworld. Uh, yeah, um, Resident Evil style. Yeah, like, I feel like that's really fading out. And like at the end, it says like coming in 3D at the end of the trailer. Like, right. like that's something yeah. special anymore. Like, oh, it's yeah. in 3D. We're gonna have to go see that one. You know, at so, least at least in I Frankenstein's defense, they got the release date right. Like they're just gonna dump it in January, and yeah. you know, some poor schmucks will go see it because they don't have anything better to do. Forty Seven Ronin, like. Really? Says this Christmas? Christmas, yeah. Well, and it's been pushed back a bunch of times. Um, and I'm, I just I googled while you were talking there. Would you guys care to take a guess at the reported budget on Forty Seven Ronin? Ooh, two hundred million. Well, well yeah, one seventy five. Two twenty five. Wow. Oh my goodness! I gracious. feel like that movie. They're they're they made it specifically for Asia. Yeah, like China, be... Japan, Korea is going to eat that movie up. It's like yeah, samurai, and they love Keanu Reeves too. <laughs> if if I set the the domestic box office open at 
13 million dollars would you take the over or the under under i'm gonna say eight it depends on the weekend it comes out it's it's christmas isn't it i think it's christmas like december 25th days oh no it'll make less than 10 okay easy that's that's what i would go with too i i I feel like nine million dollars yeah i would say between eight and eleven Originally, keep in mind, this is the movie Keanu was filming when he made that documentary about film versus digital. <laughs> yeah. And that has since come out and gone to PBS, and this movie right. is still not out. It was initially supposed to come out in November of 2012, then got moved to February of earlier this year, and then they had to work more on the 3D effects. I don't know what and, I'm looking less forward to. 47 Ronin, I Frankenstein, or Seventh Son starring Jeff Bridges? <laughs> Like those, those have got to be the three worst trailers yeah. I've ever Jeff seen. Jeff Bridges, life. man, gosh, what are, you, what gosh. are we doing? Hope, hope you enjoyed 2010. Yeah, yeah. seriously, got your Oscar. Followed it up with an even better performance, and then I'm, I'll see you guys later. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's good. I mean, look, we we are talking about, you know, this 47 Rona movie. It does have Keanu as the lead, but it's got a really strong supporting cast. Um. Tadanobu, Asanu, <laughs> uh, Rinko Kikuchi, uh, Hirokyuki Sanada, um, Kao Shibisaki. So, the the know, trailer ends with Keanu Reeves like slicing down the middle of the screen and like the name comes up in the middle of the screen, like the cheesiest transition ever. And He's like, who's next? And then the it bad like, guy. slices. <laughs> You know, look, I thought I might be, have been a little racist when I saw the trailer because I was like, is the bad guy Shang Tsung? Hey, but guess what, guys? It's it the is. same actor that played Shang Tsung. <laughs> it really is that guy. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Keanu, Keanu has another kung fu movie coming out this year, too. You know, Man of Tai Chi I was supposed to have come out this weekend. I've not seen anything about it, but Okay. Just stop. Throw that in there because apparently this is all he does. That the the longer his career, quote unquote, career goes, the better, <laughs> the better he the uh, celebrity fake celebrity Jeopardy on SNL of him looks when yeah. he's like, uh, I know kung fu and all he's this stuff. Like he's literally becoming David Carradine. Yes, <laughs> we, we can only hope he ends it the same way. Right. Yeah. Seriously, oh. David Carradine's awesome. All right. Guys, grade for Ender's Game. Brian. <laughs> uh, B. Just a straight B. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go B minus, Richard. B minus. Cool. All right, that wraps up our review for Ender's Game. Let's uh, let's move on, guys. Let's do weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. So I want to recommend a TV show. Halloween has just passed. I know this is a little delayed recommend. I'm going to recommend American Horror Story. Uh, season one on Netflix. Check it out. Good, pretty solid show. Pretty, very adults. Don't watch this with your, with your young ones. If you got right. youngling, younglings in the house, like it's. I was shocked that this stuff's on cable and not like HBO. When I, when I first saw it, I've never seen it on TV. I've only, I've only caught it on Netflix. But it, it's basically like, are you afraid of the dark for adults? Starring a, uh, a, uh, dirt. Who is it? Dirk Mulroney <laughs> or David Duchovny? I always get them to confuse. It's Dylan McDermott. Dylan it's, McDermott. It's, it's there you go. Of them, yeah. There's so many D names, been, and they all look the same. They're like they're like triplets. They literally are. How have we not written a movie where they're brothers yet? <laughs> Starring David Duchovny, Dermot Mulroney, 
and Dylan McDermott. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, but it's like, it's the, uh, it's the it's, sequel to Stuck We could call you. it 3Ds. Get it? <laughs> a remake of Three Men and a Baby. How about that? And by the way, the whole movie, they constantly switch roles. Like, they... <laughs> Just to confuse us more, they always, like, at one point, one's like a brother, and then, then he's the lead character, and you're like, wait, I thought Mulroney was... And then, it's like a performance art film that we make, where they just... No one keeps the character. This writes itself. Come on. Yeah. I'd see it. Yeah. I, I, I'd, it that would make more than $9 million on a weekend, for sure. So, let's... So Dylan McDermott is Joe Mulroney playing... David Duchovny <laughs> like some weird like Charlie Coffin <laughs> script like really meta yeah ah uh. uh, has to happen so yeah my that's my recommend American Horror Story pretty well done show on the horror TV if there's a horror TV genre I'd say Walking Dead and that are the two the two tops and there's the have lower watched, ones out there have like you watched any of the rest of it like cause this I think I told you like I haven't seen Coven the new one no. dude that like I that gives me nightmares just watching yeah. the like it's movie. really scary show like it's yeah it's a it's a it's like a horror movie every week uh, basically pretty pretty good stuff uh, there's lesser you know horror stuff out like grim and like these right these rip off <laughs> shows don't waste your time on that watch American Horror Story or Walking Dead if you're if you're looking I've for watched every like that. episode of Grim you have <laughs> I have I. Every week, I'm like, Secret I confession. I'm watching this, but I'm gonna keep watching it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't stop. Awesome. No I wonder can't. they haven't canceled it yet. There's still know, one I'm dude like, out there not. watching it. Yeah. They're like, well, as soon as this guy stops watching, we'll cancel it. Yeah. But it hasn't happened. I don't know uh, how many times too I've said to myself, okay, that jumped the shark. It's over. And then I keep watching. I just can't yeah. stop. I don't know. Honestly, my Friday nights are are dominated by Shark Tank. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Shark Tank I, might be the best show on TV right now. I also love Shark Tank. I think it's, it's pretty – I couldn't stand it at first, yeah, especially like see. immediately after the Mavs won the championship and like all Mark Cuban cared about was Shark Tank and he right, broke up the so championship he, team and everything. I but, won't watch it because it costs us Darren Williams. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's a pretty spot-on show. I mean like this is a show that could be on – or Shark Tank could be on for 10 years and not get old. It's not like American Idol. Where, right. you know, after two seasons, like, all right, we get it. People are good singers, you know. Like, every week they they have deep, pretty good ideas and inventions. And I really like Shark Tank. I just wanted to say that. I'm not recommending it because I've already done it. But uh, so, Brian, go ahead and uh, give us your weekly recommend. Um, I have not watched any movies this week. But uh, I'm going to give you a, a couple that hit Netflix recently. Um, that's our enjoyable one. One is only enjoyable. It's not, I'm just going to say it out. It's not good. Okay. This is not a good movie. Um, but it was kind of a crazy fun ride. Uh, that I saw earlier this year. It's called Olympus has fallen. Uh, the not, not white house down, which came out today on DVD. Olympus yeah. has fallen is the other white house destruction movie. Uh, this one with, uh, Gerard Butler, um, again, not a good movie, C, C plus at best, but, uh, if you are in need of just completely mindless entertainment, this is like the definition of, this is like if Fast and the Furious was not well done, okay? Like, you still, 
like too fast. Which fast and furious? furious? All of them, but like the series <laughs> as a whole. Like yeah. too fast, too furious is the worst one of the series for for me. But I still enjoy watching it because it's just kind of ridiculous. And because you love vans and cargo shorts, right? Yeah, I can't I can't help it. And I love Tyrese Gibson and his his just horribly delivered one liners. <laughs> He's gotten so much better. Yeah, but uh, man, he was so bad in that movie. But yeah, Olympus has fallen. It's kind of yes. It's kind of that level of just look. I've got two hours to kill, and uh, I just I don't really want to pay attention. It's it's an it's an enjoyable watch, um, if if not good. Uh, but the other the other thing that hit Netflix in the last couple of weeks that we've talked about before, I'm sure. So I'll just quickly say, uh, if you have not seen In Bruges, it is now available on Netflix Instant, and it is tremendous. Uh, truly one of the best movies of the last decade. It's yes. hilarious. If you have a negative opinion of Colin Farrell, it will completely change that opinion. Um, excellent, excellent movie. Can't can't recommend that high enough. Have you seen that, Kent? Have you seen In Bruges? No, it is on my queue. Oh, Ralph Fiennes and uh, yeah, no, it, I saw it. It popped up when uh, Netflix added a bunch of good movies like a couple days ago, yeah. like Flight and uh, and Olympus Has Fallen was on there, and In Bruges is is one that I've. That I've circled oh. and and it's it's literally number two on my queue right now. So it's yeah, you got to watch that, dude. Oh, that's that's an outstanding movie. And I, Richard, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I, it gets better with each view. Yes. Like oh, I hadn't watched incredible. it. I'd probably watch it two or three times, and then uh, it was on. It was making uh, an HBO run recently, yeah. and I recorded it and watched it, and I was like, "Gosh, this is just this is an this is an awesome movie, and it's hilarious." So Sweet. definitely. Kornheiser's favorite movie of that year. Nice. Throw that nice. out there. That was 2008. Okay, no wonder I hadn't seen it. Like, literally, from 2008 to 2010, I probably saw four movies. I'm not looking. <laughs> so there are so many movies that I need to that I need to see. So oh, yeah. that, that that's one definitely is, one I'll recommend. That one's a must-see, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Richard, recommend. Yeah, my recommend is actually a, a book that's out today. Um, uh so it's a, it's election day here in the U.S. of A. and a lot of right. different states. And in uh, a year ago, election day was a presidential election, and uh, between Mitt Romney and and President Obama, and uh, they they have these books that come out, or starting with the two, 08 election was called. There was one that came out that called Game Change. They made an HBO film out of it. Uh, the book is much better than the movie. The book actually covers both sides, not just the. Uh, McCain Palin campaign. It also covers the uh, Clinton Obama race. It's split into two halves. Uh, anyway, the sequel to that book comes out today. It's called Double Down. It's about the Romney Obama campaign. Uh, they these guys are really great journalists, Mark Halperin and John Heilman, and they actually get um, they get quotes from people and they get leaks from people, and no one ever denies it. A year later, when wow. horrible things come out, and they say. People are caught saying horrible things. They just say things like, well, that's – I mean that's conjecture. And then you go, well, you're denying that quote? And you're like, I'm, I'm not not denying it. You know, you get the – so you can tell that they're actually accurate. You know, they're not just like scandalous uh, gossip books. They're really well written. Um, Game Change is just an awesome book, especially if you get it, – it, some books are – like there's literature that's great to, to read and sit and read. Some books are just great to audio. Um, to just yeah. throw on an Audible book in, on the Audible app and just throw. This is like the all-time greatest Audible book. Uh, game changes, and I'm sure Double Down will be the same way. Is it Game Change? Is it what they based the movie off of? Yeah, exactly. The movie well, was I, real. Did you see the movie? Yeah, I liked it. But Julianne Moore. Is, yeah, the she book was is awesome better. as Sarah Palin. But yes, yeah. but 
Yeah, and, and and the crazy thing about that is that you know the movie just actually interprets one half of the book. There's a whole half of the book that's actually about the Hillary Obama uh, primary race, uh-huh. which is actually the best part of the book. Um, and so and it, they really go in depth. They take their time. Uh, these guys are very connected politically, um, and so it, it, it's I think the best, most fun, definitely political book to read every four years when they come out. So. I was a giddy little boy today as I ordered it on Audible, and uh, I'm sure this will be playing in my headphones for the next week or so. So uh, Double Down, Game Change Part 2 or whatever it's called. It's called Double Down. Search that on Amazon or Audible or whatever you do and uh, enjoy yourself. I thought it was maybe an analysis of KFC's Double Down sandwich, <laughs> which was awesome. It all, it, half of Chicken it as bread. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. yeah. It was chicken, yeah. cheese, bacon, sauce, chicken. You know, remember when the executives at KFC just went crazy for like three years? <laughs> tried to kill Americans? I kind of want, want a documentary about those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was random. So, like, guys, who, who let's – early speculation. Who's going to run in, in 2016? Who's the, who are the favorites? Right now it's Christy and Clinton. Ah, that'll be good. That'll be a great that'll election. Good, great election. Clinton. Yes, two very charismatic uh, people. So, um, yeah, Chris Christie was at the opening night of of the Cowboys season against the Giants. Yes, yes he was all on the Cowboys sideline. Yeah, not he's, not rooting for the Giants at all. So, Cowboys Nation, rise up! He's if if Christie sticks true to himself, is my prediction that he will be the next president because he he has a sort of moderate appeal that America is looking for. I think. Yeah. Um, in that he kind of gets along with everybody, but he also isn't afraid to yell at anybody, depending on what party they're in. He doesn't really care. Um, and if he stays true to that, now it will be difficult to get through the primary, the Republican primary being that way, because, you know, then only Republicans are voting on you, and they might not like that very much. But if he can get through the primary, I think he's tailor-made to win a, uh, a general election. So uh, that's my prediction in Cool. You know, November of 2013. We got three years to go, but uh, anyway, yeah, double down. Read it. Awesome, Brian Gill. Yes, sir. Uh, where can I find you online? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, or you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard. Uh, you can find me at Richard Barden on Twitter or at richardbarden.com. Kent, where might I find you on these inter of webs? You can find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison. You can also find us. On the internet at madaboutmoviespodcast.com. Free downloads of all our episodes are on iTunes. You can stream the episodes on services such as Scatter Radio, Podcast Land, and the website itself. Anything else you guys want to mention before we get out of here for this week? No, Thor 2 next week, guys. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy late birthday, Ken. Oh, Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. 26, man. Closer to 30 than I am 20. Scary. Nice. I'm going to be 27 on Saturday, so I've got to really? beat a little bit. Yeah. Guys, it's, it's so to... awesome being 30. Like, it's such <laughs> a give up. It's the best. Like, you don't have to try anymore. It's, it's great. <laughs> I love it. Dude, I'm trying hard, man. It sucks. <laughs> and on that note, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Bye. See ya. Goodbye.